happy to have you with us for College Football Live this afternoon. I'm Wendy Nix with Sam Acho and Greg McElroy, and the time has come for the Tide to roll in Tus Tuscaloosa. Alabama officially opens fall camp tomorrow. That is Friday, and all eyes of the college football world certainly will be on Tuscaloosa to see if Alabama can repeat as national champions. But keep in mind, it's nothing new for Nick Saban. It is the sixth time in Tuscaloosa that he started camp as the defending national champion. And if our experts are right, he may well just do it again. This is our panel of expert analysts, 25, 30 or so. And this is how we have the rankings. And you can see at the top of the pack, Alabama at number one. Greg, I'll start with you and ask you, I know you had a vote there, but does Alabama deserve to be the top team as we head into the 2021 season? Well, Wendy, there's two trains of thought. I think... Alabama should be number one because until proven otherwise, they are the most consistent and the most dominant program in the modern era. And until proven otherwise, the team that I think is closest, that being Oklahoma, we haven't seen Oklahoma win a game in the college football playoff. Can they still compete against college football playoff teams? We know Alabama lost a lot of productivity. We also know they lost four coaches just on the opposite side of their football to two head coaching jobs and then a couple obviously heading to Texas to be with Steve Sarkeesian and his staff. So it's a very big undertaking to replace all those pieces on an annual basis, but we've seen Alabama do this before. They now have had 13 different coordinators under Nick Saban, and the results are still the same. So many different first-rounders, the results are still the same. So I think that Alabama does deserve to be number one until knocked off and until proven otherwise. Sam, that's the way I'd have it. No, I respect it, Greg. And I, I, I actually agree with you. I think Alabama should be number one, followed by Clemson. I think Oklahoma, to your point, Oklahoma hasn't won a playoff game. Alabama has won championships, playoff games, as has Clemson. But here's my thing, dude. Alabama's been good since you've been playing there. Back in 2010, when we, you and I played together, they, they were dominating them, and they, they're dominating now. They're a dominant team. Obviously, you, they don't retool. They reload. You see some pictures of the national championship game. Your boy Greg McElroy is out there tossing that thing. They had Mark Ingram. They had Trent ago. Richardson. They had Julio Jones. And they had that man right there under center, Greg McElroy. I think he only completed like nine passes, but y'all still stopped us. It doesn't matter. Texas versus Alabama. That was really when Alabama started their dynasty. And ever since then, the pictures that you're seeing on your screen have been haunting me in my dreams and in my memories for the last decade. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you what, haunting just about everybody, Sam, because you said it. They don't, what'd you say? They don't reload, they retool, or vice versa. It doesn't really matter. Six players they lost this season in the first round of the NFL draft. But we've seen this before. They continue to find talent and plug and play. So let's take Alabama just for a moment out of the equation, Greg. And if it is not Alabama, which I think we all agree is the presumptive number one going into the season, who, who should it be or who could it be? Yeah, and, and that's kind of the, the age-old thought is, all right, until proven otherwise, Bama's number one. Should they remain number one? Maybe. But if you're going based on what teams return and the strength of the returnees, it's Oklahoma. When you look at what they did on the offensive side of the football, Spencer Rattler's development over the course of what was an unusual offseason, and then he just got better and better and better, and then in the final part of the season, he was really playing his best football. The pieces around him, a wide receiver, are excellent. They have maybe the best transfer in college football, and Eric Gray, who transferred from Tennessee to Oklahoma, is a perfect fit at running back to contribute in the passing game and a run in between the tackles. 
and the improvements that have been made on the defense side of the football over the last couple of years. They've gotten better and better on that side. They're not elite, Sam, but they're more capable of playing their way in to really kind of a dominant defense. So I'm very bullish on Oklahoma, and I think if we're going based on questions answered, you could make a strong argument for them at number one. Yeah, well, Greg, I think that great minds think alike. And so I'm going to take the point that you made at the very beginning about good until proven otherwise and flip it on you and talk about Clemson, right? So Oklahoma, we talked about, they're 0-4 in the college football playoff game. Clemson has won six games in the college football playoff. They've also won two national championships. You see right here, that man, DJ Uyunglele at quarterback, who's going to be dominant. You also have Dabo Sweeney, who's the coach, right? I go based off of great coaches that could produce great talent. And oh, by the way, there's a new defensive tackle in town. You saw him last year. You saw flashes. His name is Brian Brzee. Get used to his name. Get used to his number, number 11. He'll be tearing up offensive lines, quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, tight ends, you name it. He'll be tearing all those guys up when he plays for Clemson again this year. And it won't be long now. Alabama, of course, just a reminder, opening the season against Miami, a solid matchup to start uh, right out of the gates. Let's switch gears now and talk a little bit about Florida. Speaking of the state of Florida, uh, Dan Mullen will have his hands full as he tries to get Florida's offense back on track. He's replacing three key starters from last year's offense. Quarterback Kyle Trask, all-world tight end Kyle Pitts, and versatile wide receiver Kadarius Toney, all of whom moved on to the NFL. How about Florida's defense? They will also have to step up. Last season, the Gators' defense allowed nearly 31 points per game, the most by Florida during the AP poll era. That began in 36. And as for the schedule, Florida will host the aforementioned Alabama. That's on September 18th. The Gators looking for their first win over the Crimson Tide since the 2008 SEC championship game. A lot to take care of. Here is the head coach, Dan Mullen. I think Emory has, has learned a great deal in the maturity of how to handle himself, how to prepare, how to, how to be ready for your moment. Being around the guys, seeing how they handle it, uh, how to prepare for different situations, how he gets himself ready for the season. You know, I think there's a lot to that within maturity of knowing how to prepare and how to do things. And then the expectations that come along with that and the responsibility when everybody's looking at you. I mean, he's got to go win the job still. But I think everybody looks at you as the guy that's going to be the guy. There, there's certain different levels of expectations uh, for you within the good and the bad. And I think the maturity certainly helps him to be able to handle all of that. Greg, how does Dan Mullen rebuild this offense around Emory Jones? Well, he needs to make sure he takes what Emory does really well and make sure that he brings that part of the game to the offense. And I think that's what Dan Mullen's done over the course of his career. There's very few co coaches and offensive minds in the game that tinker the offense as well as Dan Mullen to best highlight some of the attributes that his quarterback has. For instance, we look back at Dak Prescott, probably the best quarterback Dan Mullen's ever had. Early in his career, Dak was much more comfortable as a runner than he was as a thrower. So what did Dan Mullen do? He caught a lot of quarterback run. He got him moving. He did a lot of play action. He did a lot of bootlegs. Well, as he matured as a senior, they started to throw the ball over the lot. So he saw that transformation. I anticipate Dan Mullen sitting down with Emory Jones saying, hey, man, what do you do best? What are you most comfortable doing? And then Dan Mullen, based on what Emory Jones says, will craft an offense that best highlights those attributes. So he's one of the best, Sam, and I look forward to seeing this offense take flight with a quarterback that can really run the ball like Emory Jones can.
Oh, and, I, and I'm excited as well, but, but here's why. No one really knew who Kyle Trask was before last year. No one really knew about Kadarius Toney and his greatness until last year. No one really knew about Kyle Pitts and his phenomenal play until what we saw Dan Mullen do with them last year. And so what I'm most excited about is what, what is the next batch going to look like? We saw Kyle Trask, the quarterback, go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We saw Kadarius Toney, the phenomenal slot receiver, running back, returner. He can do it all. Go first round. Then we saw Kyle Pitts, who in a, lot, a lot of people thought should have won the Heisman Trophy, be the highest tight end ever selected, all under Dan Mullen. And so what I get excited about is who's, who's next in line, right? Obviously, there's transfers. Obviously, you've got Emory Jones at quarterback. But who's going to be the next tight end, the next running back, the next uh, slot speed guy that's going to make huge waves in Dan Mullen's offense? Well, you got to dance with the girl you brought, right? And Dan Mullen knows how to get the best out of his players. I expect we'll see some of the exact same thing this season. You can file this next bit of news under not a shocker. Uh, not after what he's been able to pull off, but the SEC has awarded their commissioner, Greg Sankey, with a contract extension that will keep him in his post through at least 2026. That news was announced today, and it comes, of course, in the wake of Sankey's efforts to pull off the third round of realignment in conference history with the soon-to-be addition of both Texas and Oklahoma. Still to come on College Football Live, it has been a long time since Notre Dame won a title. What's keeping the Irish for claiming the ultimate prize in college football? We'll look at their results in the big game coming up. Welcome back to a special college game day, the Irish and the Seminoles. I like a block punt by Florida State. I'll take Florida State. 31-30! Yay! Hey! Yay! Hey! I'll take Notre Dame! 31-30! I Nobody has aged one bit! That was the first road trip ever, by the way, in the history of college game day. And what a tradition it started. We are now a month away, one month away, by the way, from the renewal of this rivalry between Notre Dame and Florida State. We'll get to see these two teams play again. Take a look at this. The Irish are 0-7 in BCS New Year's Six games with all the losses coming by at least 14 points. That seven-game losing streak is two games longer than any other team's losing streak in such games. Oklahoma lost five in a row during the BCS era. They, they make it to the big games, Sam. we got to see them get over the hump. How does the regular season, in your estimation, prepare the Irish for what comes after? Well, the great thing about the regular season, especially when you're in a conference not like the Irish are in, but like the people in the SEC are in, it gets you battle-tested. And I think that's what Notre Dame has been missing. They're 22-22 and 22 versus AP-ranked opponents under Brian Kelly. They haven't really been battle-tested. You get up for a big game, maybe you win, maybe you lose. And you, you run over all the, the little guys that, who you play. So I think that the, conf, the schedule they have this season, playing Wisconsin – playing North Carolina, playing USC, and a good Cincinnati team will get them more battle-ready for when the playoff comes. 
See, I think the, the people that kind of pick on Notre Dame, it's, it's occasionally low-hanging fruit. I'm not saying they've performed well in bowl games. That's fairly obvious based on the graphic that we just pulled up. We know they've struggled. In a lot of those games, they haven't really been all that competitive. But do we just gloss over the fact that they've gone on the road and had big wins? They've also beaten Clemson and have given plenty of teams all they want and some throughout the course of the regular season, several of which of those teams have gone on to have success in the postseason. So I... I look at this and I think that sometimes it's really easy to poke fun at Notre Dame, but I also think those that are doing so aren't necessarily seeing the growth that's really happened within Notre Dame's program over the last few years. It took them a long time. I think back in 2012 when they got beat badly by Alabama in the national championship game, they were a long way away. Well, that gap has gotten a little bit tighter and a little bit tighter, and I happen to think they are highly competitive. It just hasn't happened in the playoffs, but to be honest with you, there's not that many teams that can be competitive in the playoffs, Wendy and Sam. Uh, no, and, and listen, you have to get there in order to have a chance to win, and they are consistently showing they can do that. Uh, let's take a look now at some of our new head coaches. Brian Kelly, not among them. Texas, though, has a new head man. Here's Steve Sarkeesian. Anytime you're going to play the University of Texas, it's every team's biggest game of the year. Um, but, you know, clearly I think coming out of this and the talk of what's happened, our bullseye got a little bit bigger. And... Um, we can't be naive to that, but we also can't put so much emphasis into that that we don't focus on ourselves and do what's necessary. We'll take a look at some of our notable new head coaches in the FBS. You've got a new head man on Rocky Top, of course, Steve Sarkeesian at Austin. And the list goes Auburn, the list goes on and on from there. Sam, listen, which of these new head coaches, that you, as you look at some of these storied programs, is in the best position to succeed? Yeah, I think that Steve Sarkeesian is the coach that's in the best position to succeed. I got a chance to call their spring game and chat with him a little bit. I also saw him at Big 12 Media Day, and I asked him, I said, how do you handle the boosters? Because we all know the reason that Texas struggles is not necessarily because of recruiting. Oftentimes it's because the outside influences. And he looked at me and he said, Sam, I know how to control them. I know how to keep them, for lack of better terms, in their place so they can support the system without getting in the way. You know, the last coach that knew how to keep the boosters in their place, it was Mac Brown. And what did he do? He took them to the Texas to the national championship with a win in 05, took them back again in 2009. And so I think that Steve Sarkeesian is in a great position to succeed because he has a he has a he has the keys in so many ways. People know Texas needs to win now, and so he's been given the keys to the entire kingdom. Greg? I think Texas uh, is Greg, great. I completely agree with everything that Sam said. But I, I want to transition to the coach that's in the most difficult position. Because we just talked about the ideal setup that Steve Sarkeesian stepped into. Let's talk about the opposite. And I don't have to change the letters. U-T. It's not Texas. It's Tennessee. That's Josh <laughs> Heupel, who, who steps into what is an impossible situation because Tennessee right now, Wendy and Sam, they still have expectations. Their fan base still has expectations. They think it's 1998 and T. Martin and Peyton Manning are walking through that door. It's not the case. They also had a bunch of guys leave through the transfer portal. So they're going to be well under the 85 uh, scholarship limit. So they're going to have their depth challenge. They still have to figure out who their quarterback's going to be. Their defense is porous and that's putting it nicely. So at this point, Josh Heupel is stepping into an impossible situation. If he can somehow get the volunteers to bowl eligible, that would be one heck of an accomplishment in year number one. Well, Greg, I got some quick Listen, I'm guilty. You. Before, I still think it's 1998. Goes, 
Wendy, I got some quick oh, go beef ahead, because Sam. I got some I got some friends who went to Tennessee and they say that's the real UT. So I got to figure out which one is it. I believe it's Texas. You you think it's Tennessee, Wendy? Wh- who's the real UT? Which one is the real UT, Wendy? Oh, you know what? I'm bad to ask Sam because I grew up in South Carolina. We think we got the USC. Okay, I've never really understood oh, what, what that man. was all about out west. So I'm a Southern girl. Well, I guess they're both Southern, but I'd have to go with UT. Well, oh wait, I'd have to go with UT. How about that? I'll leave it at there that. There you go. still to come on college football live we are as we mentioned before just about one month away from the first full college football weekend and interconference battles are back after we missed them last year which games are on the top of the list we'll tell you what we're looking forward to when college football live returns It's a twice as nice Hall of Fame weekend after last year was canceled due to the pandemic. It's the Pro Football Hall of Fame enshrinement, not once but twice this year on both Saturday and Sunday. You can see it on ESPN and the ESPN app as well. Back to college football, though. Here's Ryan McGee on the schedule. We'll see you ahead. College football dealing with multiple COVID outbreaks. It's week to week, it's day to day. You hold your breath all week. After a 2020 season of pretty much having no idea what anyone's schedule is actually going to be week to week, isn't it a pleasant feeling to know well in advance what your favorite school's football calendar will look like this fall? Well, that depends on who your favorite school is. If you are a fan of the Woo Pig Suey variety, then you're hoping that last year's nightmare, an arduous agenda via an all-SEC docket, is over. Tough loss to swallow here for this Arkansas team. They will have now lost three consecutive games. And you'd be wrong. The Razorbacks will once again walk the Razor Blade of college football's most intimidating itinerary. But misery loves company and three of this year's top five hardest schedules are in the SEC. The other two are from the ACC, bringing a whole new meaning to the term, Southern Pride. Some hardy folks have gathered here, and it's a festive mood. Full crowds are back, and in theory, so is a home field advantage. In 2019, five schools topped 100% stadium capacity for the season. Four of them posted a combined record of 26-2. But the number one team on this list, Nebraska, at 103% stadium capacity, was 3-4 in Lincoln. So you kids out there, when the coach says you got to give 100%, do not go over that. 103% totally doesn't work. There is good news when it comes to booking an ambitious almanac of autumn appointments. The payoff is the playoff. Of the 28 CFP participants, only five started the season ranked lower than 50th in preseason strength of schedule. And only one of those teams won it all, Ohio State in the inaugural playoff of 2014. How's the saying go? Fortune favors the bold? Well, in college football, 
being bold with one's schedule just might deliver a fortune. Tell you what, I think Cincinnati saw that before they booked their schedule this season. They know exactly what they're doing. Listen, we, we get non-conference games back after mostly missing them last season due to the pandemic. Uh, Sam, so give me a non-conference game that you're really glad to see return. Yeah, the game I'm most excited about seeing is, you mentioned it, Cincinnati, but playing what Greg mentioned, Notre Dame. Right. That's the game I'm that's the, yeah, that's the game I'm most excited about because last year, let's not forget, Cincinnati had the number four ranked defense. Last year, a lot of people believe that Cincinnati should have been in one of those college football playoff games. Last year, Cincinnati had Desmond Ritter, who's a phenomenal quarterback, and oh, by the way, he's coming back. So Cincinnati can prove that they're for real in this game against Notre Dame. Greg? Matchup I'm going with is also in the state of Ohio, but it's not involving the Cincinnati Bearcats. It's the Ohio State Buckeyes. They're hosting the Oregon Ducks, and we haven't seen a Pac-12 team in the playoff in quite some time. I would love to see a Pac-12 team represented, but the only way that's going to happen is if Oregon goes on the road and beats Ohio State. Now, granted, it's week two. Ohio State has a couple of key pieces to replace, most notably the quarterback and a couple of pieces along the offensive line. So if for whatever reason they struggle coming out of the gate, we well, got an Oregon team that is capable and very athletic. So I think that that's an interesting matchup. Right now it's looking like Oregon's like a two-touchdown dog. But I tell you what, I think Oregon's better than people are giving them credit. And I think Ohio State enters the season with some legitimate question marks. Yeah, and they got to break in a new quarterback. They'll be working out the kinks, so to speak. You never know. We don't have a lot of time, Sam, but before we go, you think Cincinnati is smart to load up their schedule the way they did? I think they did. Cincinnati knows that they're literally knocking on the door. Now they said, you know what? Check out my schedule. I'm about to break that thing down. So I believe in Cincinnati. The door is broken down. They're about to show everybody what they're about. I like it. There's the door. We're going to knock it down because you made the point. We all There's a lot of us who thought maybe they should have made a made an appearance last year. They're trying to make sure that doesn't become an issue this time. College Football Live will be back in a few weeks. Have a great day, everybody. Get ready for football.